Good morning, everyone. Turn to the person next to you and say hello. that we get to worship him this morning. The fact is that we're all destined for the grave. We're all, the wages of sin was death, but he came down, he lived the perfect sinless life and died on the cross to set us free so that we are no longer bound to the grave, but we can experience true freedom for all of eternity with him. Um, you know, and I just think about how many times we really reflect on that. Like we reflect on just the majesty and the power and the might of God when we worship him. You know, if we start to really fix our eyes on just how big and powerful God is, I really feel like our, our worship would change. Our humility towards him would change. I mean, I wanna read the scripture from Job. He, he's in a bad place, but when he looks at God, he says, he stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon and spreads over it his cloud. He's inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea by his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? We can look at all of creation, and it's but one small fragment of the power and majesty and might of God. And so if we just slow down long enough and just humble ourselves enough to just truly look at how great and mighty our God is and how insignificant we are in relation to that, but the fact is that big God chose each and every single one of us to love us. He created each and every single one of us with a purpose. And I tell you what, I get awestruck when I slow down to think about that. And it does change my posture of worship towards him. And so that's why we're here this morning. That's why we're lifting up our praises to him. It's because of his goodness. It's because of who he is. And he's worthy of all of our praise at all times. And so we're going to continue to worship him. And when you think about that big God, this song specifically talks about my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. But you can take out fear and you can put whatever your struggle is. My addiction doesn't stand a chance when I stand in his love. My sickness doesn't stand a chance when I stand in his love. My doubt, my anxiety, my shame, whatever that is for you, reflect on that big God and know that he's above whatever it is that you're facing. Tries to ward over my bones 
The sorrow comes to steal the joy out And brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken Cause my feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. God, we just uh, thank you for your awesome love. And Father, we thank you that, uh, Father, in your love, God, your, our fears do not stand a chance. What a great, uh, great reminder this morning of your wonderful love for us. And thank you, Lord, uh, for the beauty of all that we saw all around us as we drove to church today. We thank you, Father, for your handiwork. Father, we thank you that we are your masterpiece. And God, that you 
are so concerned about us and that you love us, Father, and that you gave your very best so that we, uh, God, could live our very best. We love you this morning, Father, and I ask that you would just wrap your loving arms around each person that's here today, those that are worshiping online. Father, for those that are enjoying the beauty of this day and they're not in uh, here today, but God, I pray that you would bless each and every person today that is affiliated with Salem Fields Community Church, God. I pray and thank you for those that are gathered in our student ministry and in children's ministry. And Father, we just praise you today. Be with Gay today as she brings the message. We ask, Father, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on her. Open our hearts to receive all that you have for us today. This is, Lord, the best day of our life to be here together in this place. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible says to be cheerful no matter what, pray all the time, thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you, who belong to Christ Jesus, to live. Prayer has been so important in my life. To me, prayer is just communicating with the Lord and Him communicating with us. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I, I offer a prayer of praise. There's not an amen before, until I go to sleep at night. It is all day long. I try to keep the lines of communication open between me and the Lord all day long. Prayer is my support. It's my, my bedrock, my foundation. Sure, we prayerfully consider what we're doing. We also take into consideration how privileged we are and that there's others that aren't quite so privileged. And it's reassuring to know that every bit of it is given away and it is given in love, it's an answer to their prayers because you know that these people are hurting. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in, you know, the homeless shelter. They wouldn't be going to the food bank or they wouldn't be, you know, children in Nigeria drinking filthy water or, you know, in India suffering from flooding or, you know, the persecution possibly. And they just don't know what's next, the uncertainty of what their lives hold. And just knowing that this is a drop in the bucket for them through what we give to answer their prayer. When I think of the Thanksgiving offering, and it is just that, it is an offering. When I think of all the things that I have to be thankful for, I could never give the amount of money in comparison to the blessings that he has given me. He gives me every heartbeat. He gives me every breath in my lungs. He gives me a great husband. I can't, I cannot ask you of God. I can't, and no one can. But he wants us to give back. He wants us to give the tithe, and then he wants us to give the offering. We just can't outgive him. The Giving Thanks offering supports missionaries serving in 162 world areas. It helps to plant new churches across Virginia. It supports retired pastors who sacrificially served others. And it helps people in our own community who just need a helping hand to get back on their feet. Please continue to pray, asking God how He would have you give to share real hope with anyone everywhere. The Salem Fields Giving Thanks Offering. Be cheerful, be prayerful, be thankful. Yes, thank you. Uh, for those that helped with that video, we appreciate uh, Charlotte and uh, Christine. Uh, we're just asking you to pray and ask God how you can participate in our Thanksgiving offering. It's, we've said many times or talked to you a lot about it last week, but it's a very significant offering for Salem Fields. 
And uh, we just want you to pray and ask God uh, how much uh, he would have you to give and then be obedient to that. It is a time, uh, it is a giving thanks offering. We're saying, God, I'm going to give you thanks today for how you blessed my life and how you blessed us as a family. And so if you'll pray and seek God, he'll get, let you uh, know it's a gift above our tithes and offerings. So thank you for that. Our uh, annual uh, trunk and treat was held this week, and I got to see it from afar in West Virginia, and it was a huge crowd. And I appreciate all of you that worked and helped with that. Gay and I are very appreciative of that, and our staff watch this recap. My name's Melanie, and I have a few announcements for you this morning. The first one is our tithes and offerings. Our buckets will be coming by in just a few minutes. This is for our regular attendees and our members. Um, we have several ways for you to um, give this morning. If you are not comfortable uh, with our buckets coming by, we have a great debit kiosk right outside in the lobby, and we also have an online app. If you haven't gotten our app downloaded, it is awesome. Um, in your connect in your program this morning, there is a connection card. If you could pull that out, fill it out. It's a great tool for us to use uh, for the staff to communicate with you. If you have some prayer requests or maybe you want to volunteer, please fill that out. Put it in the bucket as it comes by this morning. Um, check in on Facebook. Uh, everybody pull out your phone. We want to let everybody know where we're at this morning. We're at Salem Fields, and we are having a great morning. Um, please let them know they still have time to come and join us for our 11 o'clock service. Um, if you were here for the first time, we want to thank you for coming. We welcome you, and we also have a gift for you. Out in the lobby, there is a table, and there's someone there that's going to give you some information about the church and also a free gift. So please feel free to stop by after the service. Um, this is really cool. If you are interested in finding out more about our church, Salem Fields has a membership class, and it gives you everything you might want to know about membership at Salem Fields. So next morning, next Sunday morning at 9 a.m., if you're interested, you can come to this class. It's going to give you all the DNA information, all the information about what we are, uh, what we want to do, who we are. So sign up for that class. If you, if you just want information about it or you want to sign up, I believe it's classes at SalemFields.com. Our last thing, which is very awesome, is if you are a senior citizen or you know a senior citizen in our church or in our community, our student ministries will be hosting an intergenerational Thanksgiving dinner, Tuesday, November 13th from 6 to 8. Last year, if anybody was here, 
raise your hand and say, I had a great time. We had 120 people here, and it was awesome. We had our senior citizens, our grandparents interacting with our students, and we would like for you guys to invite your family, your friends, anybody that might be a senior citizen in our community for us to have an evening to serve them. Um, we're going to provide a dinner, and we're also going to have a few fun games for them. So we would love for you to sign up at students at salemfields.com. And I think that's it. Thank you.
out there, isn't it? Heard a couple of people talk about the ride they're going to take over the mountain. We're going to take one today, too. I don't get to do it in my convertible, but nevertheless, those leaves are beautiful, aren't they? Oh, you're feeling bad for me, aren't you? <laughs> me, too. I'll tell you what. It's sitting over in my garage. If anybody wants to go get it and ride out in the mountains today... I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> well, uh, we are finishing up our series today, The Best Days of Your Life, and we've said there are five days out of your lifespan that, that can be the best days of your life, and they go from birth to death. What's the first best day of your life? The day you're born, of course. Shout out your birthday to me. November 12th coming up. <laughs> I know. That's the, our birthday. That's the first best day of our life. And what's the next best day of our life? Every birthday after. Every birthday after. <laughs> That's, it could be. Well, the second day that we've said is the best, can be the best day of your life, is the day that you're reborn. Amen. So we're born once physically, and then we're reborn spiritually. I remember I was a sophomore in college, and uh, I didn't give a rip about what all of my classmates said. They gave the opportunity to uh, accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And in a college chapel, I stood up and I said, I want to be forgiven of all my sins. Because my freshman year, and up until that point, I needed some forgiveness in my life. So that's the second best day of our, of our lifespan. What's the third? The day you surrender. Okay, we receive our salvation, and surrender means I was 26 years old, and I went to the altar, and I said, God, I'm married, I have a child, and uh, they're the most precious in my life, and I surrender my whole life to you. I give you my child, I give you my marriage, and boy, throughout my life, I sure needed to be surrendered that day because I looked back on that day for many, many times through difficulties of parenting and marriage and career and all of those things, and I had to say, but I remember I gave my whole life to God. And every time I came to a point where I wanted to do something my way or his way, I made a decision, I'm going to do it his way. And so now at this season of my life, I thank God for that day all the time. Okay, what's the next one? We had it last week, but he did that message. And uh, when you find your purpose, we had 130 people pick up your spiritual gifts test. Now, if you have those, we'd love for you to bring them back, take them to Rich at the small groups table, and uh, that will help you begin to understand your purpose. But I would encourage you, if you didn't hear the message last week with Buddy, that you would listen to that because it's not just your job. It's not just what you do. It's not just how you serve the Lord. It's really what is the purpose that God has given you while you're on this earth? From the time you were born until the time you die, he has put that purpose into your life and we will be fulfilled and we'll have a rich and satisfying life when we are operating out of the purpose that he gave us. And so today, I get to give you one of the best days of your life. And interestingly, uh, as I prepared for this message, it brought me to life. And do you know what that day is? 
Now, don't sound so excited. <laughs> it's the day you die. And I would, I would, uh, I'm hoping that before we leave today, that that won't tank you, that it will bring you fully alive because you're not ready to live passionately until you've taken care and you're ready to die. When we can get that under our belt, it makes life completely different. Well, um, Buddy always gets me my jokes because he's so good at it, you know. And old Fred was a faithful Christian and he was getting ready to die. Well, his family called the pastor in. He was in the hospital and the pastor was there standing by old Fred. And it seemed as though old Fred, he, he was frantically kind of, he said, get me a pencil and paper and I need to make a note and so the pastor got him a pencil and paper gave it to him and he wrote something on the note and it looked as though he was using his last bit of energy and uh, old Fred died well the pastor took that note and just stuck it in in his pocket and uh, didn't read it and a lot of commotion started happening because Fred was gone and uh, he hadn't read the note, and he was doing the funeral. And at the funeral, uh, it was the message was almost finished, and he pulled out the note, and he said, I'm sure, I didn't read this, and, and I, but I'm sure that old Fred had some words of wisdom right before he died for us. And he opened it up, and he looked at it, and it said, you're standing on my oxygen tube. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Poor pastor. <laughs> well, um, it may seem a little morbid to make some jokes about dying, but the reality of it is it's one thing that all of us have in common, right? We're all going to die. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> We're all going to die. It's, we, have, we all have it in common. There is no one that has been through life that has escaped death. Now, that can, you can have two responses from, out, from that. You can, that can either freak you out and uh, you'll avoid talking about it, which I can tell you as a mental health professional, that will only increase your anxiety and fear about it if you can't talk about it. Or you'll get some real unhealthy views about what death is all about. And I'm telling you, in our culture today, people have some really weird views about death and dying, and it goes off into all kinds of tangents. That's one response that you can have. It can freak you out. Or you can come to church today and say, hey, we're going to talk about the best, one of the best days of your life, and it's the day that you die. And we can begin to talk about it, and we can choose to embrace God's design, God's rhythm for the lifespan from birth to death. And we can, we can talk about that, and maybe, just maybe, we can begin to understand and see how the last day of our life could be the best day of our life. And my hope is that before we leave here today, that, that this will bring you fully alive, because it can, because God's design and his rhythm. You see, God has a timetable for our lives. He has a timetable. We talked about birth. It says in Psalm 139, it says, long before the foundations of the earth, he knew who you were. He knew me. 
And, and then he knit me, long before my, my parents had a sparkle in their eye, he, he knit me together in my mother's womb. He knew me. He chose the day that I was born. He chose the year that I was born. He chose my parents. He chose um, my gender. He chose my personality traits. You know, your personality is set in you. Between zero and six years old, your personality is set. You know, Jody just told me, she said, I took this stupid 200-question uh, personality test, and she said, it comes out the same every time. And I said, it will, because your personality is set. God knit that together, and those are the, those are, that's what he chose for us, and he has chosen the last day of your life. He's chosen when you'll leave this earth. We know that because in Job it says this. Let's read it together. You have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. I remember a couple of years ago when I discovered that, that verse, and it set me free. Because it said, God, I know when I was born, but this ending to my life is open-ended. But you've got this. And you know exactly how long I'm going to be. And so you and I, God, we're going to walk this out together. And I'm going to put that in your hands. And I'm going to trust you for the unknown. And so here we go, God. We well, see God's design is that we don't choose when we're born. And we don't choose when we die. God has a timetable for our lifespan. And his design can make the last day of our life, whenever that is, whatever his chosen day for that is, he can make that one of our best. best. However, we need a godly perspective and we need an eternal perspective. And that's why we come to church and we learn and we grow about what God's word said because we're living in the culture and a mindset that is completely upside down from God's design. We're immersed in that every day of our life. And our tendency is to buy into what the world says. And we have to have a renewed mind if we're going to understand God's economy. And that includes when we die. That includes our lifespan. Now, Jesus, and we'll talk about an eternal perspective in just a minute, but what Jesus had a last day on earth. And he had been with his disciples, and they loved being with him. And, but he said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave this earth. But when I go away, I'm going to pre be preparing a place for you and I'm going to come back for you. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And what that means is he is somewhere right now. Believers call that heaven. He is somewhere right now preparing a place for those people who will identify with him and who will ask forgiveness of their sins and who will make him their savior. That's who he's preparing that place for. Every single one of us that give our lives to him, he's preparing. We'll talk about that eternal perspective in a minute. But first of all, we need a godly perspective about how to live our lives. 
Jesus also said, he said, you know, the thief comes to steal and to kill, and he wants to take you down. And he has the power, if you allow him, to take you down on this earth. But Jesus said, I have come so that you will have a fantastic life here on earth. He said, I've come so that you'll have a rich and satisfying life, that it's not just about going to heaven, but while you live here on earth, you can have a rich and satisfying life. Many versions say an abundant life. That means you can have the best kind of life, fully alive, passionately living. And that includes understanding why the, be the last day of your life could be one of the very best. We all want that, right? We all want a rich and satisfying life. We all want to live a life that's well lived. But that can only happen when we prepare for that last day. We'll only have the depth of a rich and satisfying life when we are prepared and we've looked at and we've decided and we've chosen what is that last day of my life going to look like. That's when it comes. You see, Paul said to live means Christ. When I'm on this earth, I'm going to live for him. I'm going to live passionately. But to die is even better. Can you imagine living your life that way? To say, I'm going to live with full gusto right now. And then that's only a prelude for it getting even better. Boy, my hope and my dream is that we as believers could be living that out there. But I'm not sure that we know how to talk about this, so my prayer and my hope is that before we leave today, that this will bring us fully alive. Abraham Lincoln said, in the end, it's not the years in your life, it's not a matter of how many years you live, but it's the life in your years. It's how you live in the number of life, number of years that you're giving. You see, you can be very young and be very wise and mature. And you can be very old and be very, very immature. So much of it depends on how we choose to live our life. There's a website, it's called bestlife.com. I think it's selling some insurance, but they do a lot of research. And the research has shown, I find it really interesting, you know, I've been studying the Bible for a long time, and it's difficult for people to believe the Bible, but when research comes out, people will go for it. Well, I'm going to give you research because I believe in research too, and the research says that only 10% of your life is, is from your genetics, only 10%. But 90% of the quality of your life is how we choose to live it. That means that you and I are pretty much in charge of the quality of our life. And that includes how we view death and dying. We have to get our theology and our psychology right about this if we're truly to have a rich and satisfying life. You know who Bono is? Bono is a lead singer of U2. He's been around for a long, long time. I want you to listen to his take on death. I became an artist through the portal of grief. Mm. My mother died at my, her own father's gravesite mm. as he was being lowered into the ground. She had an aneurysm, I was 14. 
She left me, but she left me an artist. I began the journey, trying to fill the hole in my heart with music, with my mates, my bandmates. And finally, the only thing that can fill it is God's love. And it's a big hole, but luckily there's a big love. It's like the wound never quite closes. So death is very important. But you know, I went finally to Jerusalem on a family pilgrimage. And I went to Golgotha. And I went to uh, the site where, and I had some time on my own, where death died. And I was like, wow, there it is. Hmm. That's where death died. And so I don't really believe in it anymore. So it's not a, it has no power over me as it had when I was 14 years old. And it, and it's, you know, it's unpleasant for the people we leave behind or if we're left behind. But it isn't unpleasant for the soul to now find its true meaning. You know, we look through the glass darkly, but then we shall see face to face. I wear colored lenses. I can't wait to get them off. Yeah. I want to see, I want to see straight. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's a, a large part of our psychology, you know, is fear of death. Yeah. So if, if you have that dealt with, I think you can get on with life yeah. Yeah. a bit easier. See, I love what he says there. And that's what this is all about. Because he says, if you have the fear of death dealt with, then we can get on with life. When we talk about this and we understand this properly from a biblical standpoint, we probably won't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it because fear and anxiety have no power over us anymore. As he said, death died. Because the story of Jesus is that he died, but he rose again, and that we can be in relationship with him and see life exactly the same. And it will, it will bring us fully alive. If you have dealt with your fear of death, then you can get on with life. Because fear and anxiety only have power when we give it to it. And once we get fear and anxiety out of the way, it has no power over us. Have you ever seen a person that has no fear? They're fully alive, fully alive. Well, I wanna look at the rhythm of a lifespan from birth to death, because I wanna present to you that it's not your age. If age has power over you, you're looking at it all wrong. Because our lives are to crescendo up until the day that we die. A cultural mind says, oh man, you get old, you don't feel good. It's amazing to me how people my age now want to talk about all their health problems. And I'm saying, you know what, I'm going to take care of my body and I'm going to get on with life because there's so much more out there. Because we don't get to a point in life, whether it's our first stage of life or our last stage of life, we can still have a rich and satisfying life in every stage of life. 
But too many of us buy into a cultural mindset. The rhythm of a lifespan is from birth to death. Uh, when I was in my 20s, I think I discovered this book. It was called Passages by Gail Sheehy. I think it's been updated. And it was really important to me because it said in that book, it kind of prepared me for life because it said every stage that you enter, every decade that you enter into is going to have its challenges. So as you, as you go through those stages, you've got to be ready for the changes. You've got to be ready. It's almost like being an adolescent over and over again. You know, we look at an adolescent child, and we look at the struggle they go through with all the body changes and all the things that happen in their life, and things are kind of going haywire. Well, the same thing happens throughout the adult life span, because I'm at a stage now in my life that I've never been to before. I don't know exactly how it works. But if I look at it from a cultural mindset, I'll say I'm, I'm finished because I'm getting to an age in life where our culture says, man, you're just going to fold up and dry out, whatever. <laughs> but a biblical mindset says no. At every stage of life, it can be rich and satisfying. I don't know about you, but that's how I choose to live. And so we're going to look at the lifespan. Uh, passages said that's what has to happen. My brother looks at it as four quarters of a basketball game. You know, you've got the first, second, third, and fourth quarter. The first quarter is 0 to 20. The second quarter is 20 to 40 age, age group. The, uh, you get to halftime at 40. 40 to 60 is your third quarter. 60 to 80 is your fourth quarter. And 80 plus is overtime. <laughs> and so... Games are won and lost in the fourth quarter. You realize that? But every single quarter is, is important. Now, we're going to look at it in terms of the, the seasons of life. We understand that, right? The seasons of life. All right? Spring. Let's look at spring. It's from 0 to 20. Anybody in here from right over there is 1, 0 to 20? Anybody else in here, 0 to 20? Okay. We've got... We've, yeah, that Mark, yeah, you are. In your mind, you've got a rich and satisfying life. Doesn't matter what age you are. This is the day that we're born, okay? And here's what happens. Our personality begins to emerge. As I said, up until six years old, that's when our personality is set. Sometimes things happen in zero to six, some traumatic events, and that kind of alters uh, how we see the world. Our language begins to develop. We start school uh, kids go to pre-K and then all the way through college school. Uh, then traumatic, there are traumatic events that often happen between zero and 20 and our brains are still forming and we put thoughts and ideas together and sometimes we don't put them together uh, well and uh, we're not look, we, we look at life through our wounds and through our, our parents and things happen traumatically. And I'm telling you, that's why we need to get our children hearing, Jesus loves me, this I know. I learned that as a child, and that was a timeless truth that I have pulled through my life all the way to this stage of life, and I plan to pull all the way to my life till the last day of my life. We need to know the timeless truth that Jesus loves me. It's why we need a savior because things happen at a very vulnerable, tender stage of our life. And we begin to operate off that. I was listening to a song on the way to lunch one day, Goo Goo Dolls. I don't know why I heard that song, but I, this, this line stood out to me. And it said, scars are souvenirs 
you never lose. That is why we need a savior. Because we need to get those wounds healed or else we'll pull them throughout our whole life and it will keep us down and the fear and the anxiety will rule our life. We've got to get those, those wounds healed. And then we enter into summer, 20 to 40. Anybody here 20 to 40? Okay, we've gotten a, a few more there. And I remember my 20s. And I can tell you this, I knew everything in my 20s. I knew every single thing. Uh, nobody could ask me anything about my opinion or what I knew. Uh, I knew it all. <laughs> and then as I grew a little older, I discovered, well, I guess I didn't know it all after all because some things just weren't making sense. And my newfound freedom, I was off to college and nobody was gonna tell me what to do. And so I just kind of lived my life with gusto and I did whatever I wanted. Nobody controlled me anymore. And I got myself into a whole lot of trouble. That's why we need a savior. But I didn't call on him yet. And uh, you know, we begin to see that our parents are imperfect before that time, we just kind of listen to them and accept what they say. And then, of course, we can do much better than our parents did, can't we? And then we begin to look for love in all the wrong places. And we try to fill a hole that we don't even know exists. And what we were told to believe, it's not really working in the real world anymore. This is in our 20s. And then we make these life-changing decisions, life-altering decisions. How many, how many people in your 20s got married? Pretty life-changing. How many people had children in your 20s? Huge. Were, were those some of the biggest decisions you ever made in your life? Yeah. And in our 30s and 40s, we began to see how we made our decisions, right? And what comes along is... Uh, diapers and careers and deadlines and pressures and childcare and kids' school and sports and sports problems and money problems and teenagers with girlfriends and boyfriends and bullies. And then they go off to college and they need money and scholarships. And, 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 and you know, in the middle, and then before you know it, you're turning the big 4-0. Who's turned the big 4-0? <laughs> See, we've all been, well, not all, but we go through this lifespan. And in all the chaos, we often forget the most important things. We get so focused on the urgent that we miss the timeless. And the timeless is the development and the nurture of our spirit and of our soul. Well, it's halftime, and we get to evaluate how did our first and second quarter of the game go? How did spring and summer go? Because now we're headed into fall. And if we look outside, we see the beautiful leaves, but we can see that the seasons are changing. And we head into fall, and we can assess how we did in the first quarter. We can see what we've sown into our life. We can see how we made our decisions and how we really got off track. And there's, it's really important because we need to see what we've sown so we can know what to do with that. We can see if we balanced our career with our family or if we made career more important than our family. 
or if our finances are stable or the lack thereof, all of that begins to show up, right? It all begins to show up. And life is passing us by, and here's the deal. Whatever we've sown, we reap. Whatever we sow, we reap. That's why we have to help young people understand that the choices, or people in their 20s or 30s, or any stage of life, the choices that we make have lifelong ramifications. And so we need to be more thoughtful, and that's what I'm presenting to you here about the day that you die, about our last day, the day that we die. Because now we're entering, as I have, into the winter. Now, I happen to love snow, and maybe that's why I'm vibrant in this season of my life. I don't know. I think it's because I've sown a lot of good seed into my life. I had sown a lot of bad seed into my life, and it's why I needed a Savior. But when I surrendered, I said, God, it's all yours. And I began to sow his word into my life, and I began to sow a relationship with Jesus Christ into my life. And so at this stage of life, I'm finding that my roots have gone deeper in the rich and the satisfying life that the Bible talks about that says is possible is beginning to work its way out into my life because here's the deal. This verse that I'm going to give in a few minutes, what we sow is what we reap. Now at this stage, I'm also looking at some of the bad seed that I, that I sowed. And I see that I have to take personal responsibility for that. And there are still some things that I have to go to the Lord and I have to say, God, I, I need your forgiveness for this. That never ends. And when you enter into this, the winter of life, it's really an interesting place. You know, um, I, the first thing that began to happen was Medicare. So I get, I mean, you get about this much junk mail in the, in the mail about, with, for Medicare. And I say, okay, okay, I'll get it. And I did. And it cut my insurance costs about in, uh, it's only a fourth, so that was a good deal, man. I'm ready for that. And all those little senior perks that you get around, man, I can get a cup of coffee at McDonald's for 75 cents. You better believe I'm taking advantage of all that. And, and so the next thing then that comes is Social Security. All right, I'm going to get a little chunk of money from the government because I paid in so much. And I looked at that number and I said, what? <laughs> I, I worked since 1970 for that. Oh, well, God's going to bless me. He's got that. And, and the next thing that comes was this. Look up in the left-hand corner. <laughs> that was my first piece of junk mail from the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, if you never get this, that means you're dead. <laughs> I got the biggest kick out of that, so I'm getting a real big kick out of this stage of life. I just am. Uh, and, and the winter of life is interesting. I look at my life, my grandchildren are already grown. I can't believe it. Jackson's going to be a teenager, the youngest. Uh, my ministry is changing I've gotten to tell lots of people about Jesus and his love. I've got that under my belt. And there were days when I didn't want to walk in here, but I did it anyway. And at this stage of life, you begin to reap what you've sown. 
I've got a treasure trove of people around me that I know I could call on at any moment that would come for whatever I need. I've got deep, rich friendships. And I attribute so much of that at 26 years old when I surrendered my whole life to him and said, God, every decision that I make is gonna be your way, not my own. You know, when I was young, time seemed to drag. Remember that? In the summer, time would just drag. And now it flies. And it's the same clock. I don't know how that works. But I know that I'm here at this stage of life and you will be one day, God willing. And you'll say, where did the time go? But that does not mean that you cannot have a rich and satisfying life at whatever season, at whatever quarter of life that you're in. And every season, every quarter is gonna present you challenges. You're gonna have tough times. You're gonna have hard times. There were times when I got on my knees and I said, God, I don't know what you're doing here. Please take this away from me. And I would cry. You know, talk to a young person today that's really struggling with that first semester of college. You, you guys remember that first semester of college? When it was like you just wanted to go home every day, you just could hardly stand it. And there are some days when you just don't know how to make it through the next day. Has anyone ever been there, or am I the only one? And, and there, there are those times. And then there are losses that happen in your life. You lose people that you love. You maybe lose a job. You, there, are, there are difficult times, but there are celebrations too. Every season of life, every quarter of the game, it matters. It matters. See, God didn't create us to just wither up and die. Yes, our body deteriorates. If we try to fight that aging process, we're gonna, it's a losing battle. Material things and the physical disintegrate. <laughs> they deteriorate. And so many times we forget that we need to be sowing into our spirit and into our soul because as we do that, we influence our children and we influence the people around us and we give a witness of who God can be in our lives. See, he created our life to crescendo, to be born and to get richer and deeper until the last day that we live on this earth. His timetable, his timetable. You see, we, if we live by the world's standards, we're gonna get fixated on the physical and the material. And that's what we'll say is most valuable in life and that's what we'll teach to our children. But when we can understand that if our life is a crescendo and the last day on, our, of, on earth is one of the best days of our life because the next step that we have, the next season that we have is to step into the exquisite gift that God has for every person who will call him savior. Every person who will ask forgiveness of their sins because he's preparing that place for each one of us and from the last day on earth, that's where we're headed. You see, seasons change and if there's anything that we need to learn how to do, we need to learn how to change. 
Everything about us wants to get comfortable. I looked at my grandfather at 90 years old, and he had to go from independent living to dependent living. He had to make one of the greatest changes in his life. And I looked at him, I must have been in my 30s, and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to learn how to change. I'm going to learn how to change. Because every season of your life, there are changes that come that rip the, the rug out from under your feet. And if you haven't learned to change, if you don't have those timeless truths to hang on to, those things that will never change, you see, God will never change. His timeless truths will never change. And if we don't have that, if we have not sown that into our life, we'll fall apart. And sadly, that's what I see happening in so many people's lives. Because no matter what season we're in, we're withering up and dying because fear and anxiety and depression and all of those views that we have about death that are just really bad psychology and theology are taking us down. It doesn't have to be that way. We can be fully alive. But we have to come to terms with that last day on life. You see, our quality of life is impacted by what we're sowing today. Whether or not we're prepared for our last day on earth. You see, as I said before, what we sow, we reap. The Bible's very, very clear on this. It's like gravity. If I would run and take a jump and fly out over here, you can be sure I'd land on my face because gravity is real. Oh, you'd catch me. You guys would catch because these are my rich friends, my friends that would. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> and, but that's how this reap and sow thing works. It's like gravity. Can't get away from it. Whatever we reap, somewhere along in our lifespan, we'll sow. And we sow that into our children. That's why we need to stop and think about these things. Stop and understand what God truly is saying to us and what he's made available to us and what we have right at our fingertips Every week, every day, we have it available to us to find another way. The Bible says don't be deceived. We can't mock God. We can't get over on God. For whatever one sows, one will reap. For the one who sows his own flesh is going to reap flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Are we sowing into our spirit and into our soul? Or are the physical and the material getting most of our attention? You see, we can sow bad seed. And let me tell you what some bad seed is. It's unaddressed guilt and shame. You know, once again, a leading researcher has just come out. I don't know if you read Brene Brown. A lot of people do, but she's a leading researcher. And once again, she has backed up what the Bible says, but people tend to listen to the research. She's not a Christian. She's just a, a researcher, and she's done years of research on guilt and shame. And she's said, as I've said as a mental health professional, the root of anxiety, depression, Suicide, mental illness, is unaddressed shame, unaddressed guilt, because we don't want to go there, do we? 
It's easier to pop a pill. It's easier to say that our children need help instead of saying, there may be something deep within my soul, some sin that I need to get out. It's why this message is not very popular. Because it takes being vulnerable. It takes being humble. It takes listening and obeying God. And over the lifespan of my ministry, I've seen it's become less and less popular. But I've also seen people tanking because they're not finding the true answers. You know, I read in Ezekiel the other morning, I read, just popped it open, and uh, it said, tell people even if they won't listen. That set me free in my ministry because my job is to tell people and everybody else gets to decide what they'll do with what the God, with what the word says. That's why Jesus came, for our shame and for our guilt. Shame is when you're down on yourself. Guilt is when you've done something wrong. And we need forgiveness for both. That's the core and that's the heart. The enemy does not like me telling you this. Because if people can get there and they can humble themselves and they can allow Christ to do his work in us, we'll be set fully alive. Fully alive. Now there's good seed that we need to sow into our life as well. There's so much good seed. And I'm just going to give you a couple to... I didn't put this in your notes. You can jot these down because I can promise you this. If you practice these things in your life, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. You will develop a rich and satisfying life. The first one is when trouble hits, don't let that cause you to run away. A lot of people will say, you know, buddy, just talked to someone the other day that stopped coming to church and she said, oh, I've been going through a rough time. And buddy said, that's exactly when you need to keep coming. And see, so many people hit hard times and they turn away from God. But that's when we've got to turn to him. I made a decision a long time ago, no matter what was going on in my life, I'm going to turn to him. When I don't understand what he's doing and he's not on my timetable, he's not doing what I want him, I'm going to turn to him. When I don't understand, when I think that he's not doing what he needs to do, I'm going to turn to him because I'm going to trust him even when I don't understand him. I'm going to turn to him. Tony Evans said, you know, if you have a problem and you turn away from God, you still have the problem. You just don't have God. Isn't that profound? Isn't that amazing? Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> keep going. And I say, keep going through it with God, with Jesus, in a relationship with Jesus. Keep turning to him no matter what. That's a timeless truth that will make a profound difference in the quality of your life and in the seasons of your life. The second thing is value spiritual and character development over your physical and material development. Value what's most important, and that's our spirit and our character. And you know what that'll do? It'll help you manage the physical and the material much, much better. 
because you'll have your priorities, right? And, and pursue a renewed mind. I could give you some uh, brain development and some physiological kinds of things about the pathways in your frontal cortex. I won't get into that. But that's developed when we're a child. <laughs> that's developed when we're a child. And, <laughs> and we have to have a renewed mind. Instead of living by our cultural ways, we have to live by God's way. But we have to know what that is. So let's get, those are some timeless truths. The other one is to learn gr to grieve properly. We, throughout our life, we're gonna have losses. We've got to learn how to grieve properly. An eternal perspective, okay? You can tell if you have an eternal perspective if you have this deep sense of peace and joy within your soul. If you can sing all is well, you have a deep sense of, of, of peace within your soul. And should you get to overtime, that's 80 plus, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your challenges or struggles, it can be rich and satisfying too. Buddy and I were talking about, uh, you know, um, what we don't want in death is pain. But there was a quote that said, you know, I don't fear pain at death, I fear doubt. You don't want to get to the last day of your life as we've seen some people as they're dying and not really know what's going to happen next. We do a lot of funerals. We see a lot of people die. We see people who have lived well and we've seen people who have not. And there's a huge, huge difference. You see, the aging process only has power over us if we allow it. And we can actually anticipate God's choice of our last day. I've seen it. You know, as I was studying this, I ran across Eugene Peterson. I don't know if you know who he is, but he translated the Bible into the message. And it's a very readable version. If you never read it, uh, I would encourage you to read it. I, I use the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase as well, and it's more story form, and I just love it. The message is, is somewhat like that. But he spent 20 years of his life uh, changing that, uh, translating that for people, and uh, Bono, that we saw before, he's a rock star, he's uh, with U2, and um, he asked to meet with Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson has written 35 books, and he's an author, a poet, a pastor, uh, an artist, and Bono was really fascinated. In fact, he uh, quoted some of what Eugene Peterson had said in the message, and he was fascinated, so he asked if he could have an interview or if he could have some time with Eugene Peterson, and Eugene Peterson uh, didn't give it to him. And there was an interviewer that was saying to Eugene Peterson, do you realize you're probably the only person on the face of the earth that Bono has asked to meet with, and he didn't get to meet with you? And he said, well, first of all, I didn't really know who Bono was. And he said, you gotta understand, as I was translating the Bible, I was with Isaiah. I love that. He had his priorities where they needed to be. He was living a well-lived life, Eugene Peterson was. And as I, uh, as I kind of studied this and watched him, well, you watch, watch him here, Eugene Peterson. Where is your new adventure taking you next? I'm getting old. I've never felt old before. Does death concern you? Not really, no, not really. Jan and I talk about it sometimes. We sit out here and talk about it sometimes. 
I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I have any regrets. I would I wouldn't know what else to do. I'm just grateful. Like grateful is the is the word I think I would use. That I've uh, I've been able to live my life feeling like Eugene, not somebody else. What would you like your legacy or your echo on humanity to be? This might sound unrealistic, but it's, it's my hope. I hope I can be part of changing the pastoral imagination of American pastors. Happened on found things, found in gutters, found on a cross, found under a stone, heard in the rustling grass, heard in a tongue stammering sabachthani, found when I wasn't looking, heard when I wasn't listening, found beauty. I treasure the way other people love her, accept her, celebrate her. Treasure his spirituality, the depths of him. Um, I don't treasure that the boy doesn't talk much. <laughs> I wish he talked a little more. What's been the best bits of living for you? Uh, my marriage and my children. All the rest could go to pot, and I think I'd still make it. <laughs> yeah, my marriage and my children. Thank you for sharing your life with us. You're welcome. Thank you for listening, <laughs> affirming it. <laughs> I just love that. Do you sense the peace of a well-lived life? A rich and satisfying life. I'm sure he's no less happy right there than he was throughout the rest of his life. A rich and satisfying life. Because he had prepared and he'd taken care of knowing that the last day of his life was in God's hands. And the last day of his life was October 22nd, just last month. Just last month. And he said, you know, when they ask, what's your new adventure? He said, well, I'm getting old. I remember my mom came out of the bathroom one day, and she was like 70, and she said, I just looked in the mirror, and I realized I'm old. <laughs> and I think of that a lot because I know I'm going to say that one day. I still I see this aging process, but I don't fight it because I know that my last day is in God's hands and I can smile because of it. They asked him, are you concerned about death? And he said, not really. He had no fear, no anxiety. He wasn't, it had no power over him. Death had no power over him because he understood death had died on the cross and that he was about to step into this exquisite gift that Jesus had for him 
Oh, if you're in your zero to 20, that may be a long time. It doesn't matter if it's one day, two years, or 75 years. We can live that kind of life throughout. And they ask him, they, they said, he said, I have no regrets. Wouldn't it be wonderful to live your life today so that 10 years from now you have no regrets? Oh, we make some decisions that are a bit off, and, but we don't have to have regrets. It's what my brother and I do with our no regrets trip. He said, I'm grateful. I lived a life, and I love this. He said, I got to be me. You know, God wants you to be you. We live in a culture that everybody's looking at somebody else and saying, oh, I want to be that. Oh, I want to be that rock star. I want to be that. I want to have that kind of hair, that kind of body, or I want to be that successful in my career. Everybody's looking at somebody else, and he says, just be you. I got to be me, he said. And they ask him what his legacy on life. And you see, when you fulfill the purpose that God has given you, you have an echo on humanity. Every single person here has an influence on somebody. You will echo on humanity. And they said, what has yours been? His purpose was to change pastoral imagination. And you know what? He doesn't even know me. And he's changed this pastor's imagination. It has a rippling effect into places that you will never know. And I'm mentoring a young leader, and the same is happening there. She's very wise. She says, I want someone who's walked the path. I want someone older than me, and I want someone younger than me because I'm going to learn from everybody. I really admire her. And the Bible says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. And I look at this last chunk that I have, if it's, I go out here today and I'm done, or I have another 75 years. He's got a purpose that he wants to fulfill. He wants to complete through me. That's exciting to me. I have no idea what this next stage of life is going to be, just as you don't. But I'm so excited about it because I know he's got it in his hands and that he'll lead me. But you know what he said the bottom line was, don't you? If everything else went away, what really mattered was his marriage and his family. His marriage and his family. You know what Eugene Peterson's last two words were? Let's go. Is that incredible? You see, life after death, some people believe it, some people don't. Some people have some really, really weird ideas about it. Some people think they can take their own life and it'll be okay. God's timetable says we don't get to choose. We get to put our faith and trust in him and then he walks us along this pathway of life to a rich and deep and satisfying life. Andy Stanley said this, you've got to know this about what the word says about heaven. Eternal life is not a reward for good people. A lot of people will say, well, he was just a good guy. He's in heaven now. He, she was just a good, good gal. She's in heaven now. That's not true. That's bad theology. It's not a reward for good people. It's a gift that God gives to forgiven people who identify with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is preparing a place for a prepared people. It's important for us to prepare. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you with me 
that you may be where I am. That's our promise. And when we die, it's not a matter of accident or chance. The Bible is very clear that our lives are in God's hands. And he knows the timetable of our life. He knows the timetable of our death. And he even appointed it. If there's fear and anxiety in your life about that, you need, you really need to evaluate that because fear and death and anxiety still have power over you. That's why Jesus died on a cross, so it doesn't have to. So that we can live fully alive in anticipation of not only the last day, but the, the eternal life that we can have with him. Does that mean that we can not seek medical care or just live dangerously? No, there's not one verse in scripture that supports that kind of view. It's important that we take care of this body in the way that he calls us to. It's important that we take care of the things in our life and be good stewards, but God hasn't chosen to answer all of our questions. There's a lot that we don't know about death. There's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we will never know. But it's our job to go to the one that knows it all. See, we're all going to die. Aren't you glad you came to church? We're all going to die. But we've got to find a way that we can live with peace and contentment and joy. And the only way to do that is to be a prepared people for a prepared place. And what that means is that we have to be a forgiven people. We have to be a people that identify with Jesus Christ that make him our savior so that we can go out of here and we can say, my time is in his hands. And you know what? When we do that, we are fully alive. Now we're ready to live. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. And right now, right here, I'm going to give you that opportunity. One, another thing we all have in common is that we're all sinners, Every single person here is a sinner. I happen to be a sinner saved by grace. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior when I was 19 years old. I fully surrendered my life to him at 26 years old. I walk with him on a regular basis. I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. There are some people here that have never said, I had that time in my life where I accepted him as my savior, where I asked him to forgive me of my sins. There may be some, someone here right now that has never done that. If you did that once in your life, that's all you needed to do. You may need to recommit your life to him if you feel like you've walked away from him or surrender your life to him, to, to lordship. But if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you can do that right now. And the way that you do that is the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you and your heart's kind of beating. And you're saying, I've never done that before. And if there's no one here like that, it makes me really sad. It means that we're not reaching people who don't believe in Jesus. And that's what God has called Salem Fields to do. But if you do have that beating in your heart and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to show you in four steps all it takes. First of all, to know that God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, it doesn't matter. He loves you. And he has a plan for your life. That's our purpose. And it says that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that anybody that would believe in him can have eternal life. You can have this gift. And he said not only eternal life, but you can have a rich and satisfying 
life right now, the abundant life. And the second step is that we have a problem. See, we've become separated from God by our sin. And he wants to get that taken care of. And the way that he gets that taken care of is that we come to him and we understand we're, I'm a sinner. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's really, really good news. And the good news is this, that God sent his son so that we can have a relationship with him and that he can forgive us of our sins and that we can, we can abide in him and he can give us direction for our life. And he can renew us and restore us. He's in the business of restoration. And he did that because he died on the cross. He died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And anybody that would come to me can have eternal life. My prayer is that all of us have understood and we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior. If you haven't, let's all bow our heads right now and I just wanna go through this prayer. If you don't wanna bow your head, you, I've got the prayer on the screen if you wanna look at it there. If, you can, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, just pray this prayer right now if you so choose. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son and I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. And I receive you as my Savior. And when you have a sincere heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're saved. And that gift of eternal life is yours. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't be bad enough. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You're saved. And as your heads are bowed, if you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior here today, just come up to the front of the stage at the very, after the service is over and, and talk to me about that. I'd like to talk more to you about that. And then uh, for those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior and you're really not living that rich and satisfying life, maybe, maybe it's time for you to, to fully surrender to God and to give your life completely to him. Maybe it's time for you to get really serious about fulfilling the purpose that he's given to you in your life. Or maybe it's time to find out why fear and anxiety have power over you. God can take care of all of it. I asked the band to do this, or I asked Peyton to do this little song at the end. It's one of my favorites because I think that it, it just goes throughout the lifespan. It just speaks to my heart and my soul. And in our closing time together, let's stand together. In our closing time together, she sings this. It's just very worshipful. If you want to come up and pray, you can do that. We're closing out this series. Doesn't mean we're closing out what we do here at Salem Fields. But it's just a wonderful time to either reclaim your relationship with him or to celebrate your relationship with him or to find a deeper walk with him. Whatever God, whatever the Holy Spirit needs to do inside of you, maybe it's just that your heart will be thrilled because this is just such a special time for us to be together, okay? Let's just listen as we worship.
today, but this stuff is really, really important. It's really important. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. And we can get that under our belt and we can be fully alive. And that's what the world needs to see. You can have this world. Give me Jesus. I hope that's your prayer and that's your theme and that's your timeless truth. Let me just leave you with this. Every time you hit a bump, every time you hit a challenge, every time you hit something you don't understand, let it drive you closer to Jesus. He'll always be there for you. Our seasons change, our problems change, but he never will. He never will. On the authority of God's word and the experience I've had in my life, I can tell you that's the truth. I love you guys, and we'll see you next time. No, I won't be shaking. No, I won't be shaking.